Chapter Two of Annals of a Quiet Neighborhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Annals of a Quiet Neighborhood by George MacDonald. Chapter Two my first sunday at marshmallows these events fell on the saturday night on the sunday morning i read prayers and preached never before had i enjoyed so much of the petitions of the church which hooker calls the sending of angels upward or the reading of the lessons which he calls the receiving of angels descended from above and whether from the newness of the parson or the love of the service certainly a congregation more intent or more responsive a clergyman will hardly find but as i had feared it was different in the afternoon the people had dined and the usual somnolence had followed nor could i find in my heart to blame men and women who had worked hard all the week for being drowsy on the day of rest so i curtailed my sermon as much as i could omitting page after page of my manuscript and when i came to a close was rewarded by perceiving an agreeable surprise upon many of the faces round me i resolved that in the afternoon at least my sermon should be as short as heart could wish but that afternoon there was at least one man of the congregation who was neither drowsy nor inattentive repeatedly my eyes left the page off which i was reading and glanced towards him not once did i find his eyes turned away from me there was a small loft in the west end of the church in which stood a little organ whose voice weakened by years of praising and possibly of neglect had yet among a good many tones that were rough wooden and reedy a few remaining that were as mellow as ever praiseful heart could wish to praise withal and these came in amongst the rest like trusting thoughts amidst eating cares like the faces of children born in the arms of a crowd of anxious mothers like hopes that are young prophecies amidst the downward sweep of events for though i do not understand music i have a keen ear for the perfection of the single tone or the completeness of the harmony but of this organ more by and by now this little gallery was something larger than was just necessary for the organ and its ministrants and a few of the parishioners had chosen to sit in its forefront upon this occasion there was no one there but the man to whom i have referred the space below this gallery was not included in the part of the church used for the service it was claimed by the gardener of the place that is the sexton to hold his gardening tools there were a few ancient carvings in wood lying in it very brown in the dusky light that came through a small lancet window opening not to the outside but into the tower itself dusky with an enduring twilight and there were some broken old headstones and the kindly spade and pickaxe but i have really nothing to do with these now for i am as it were in the pulpit whence one ought to look beyond such things as these rising against the screen which separated this mouldy portion of the church from the rest stood an old monument of carved wood once brilliantly painted in the portions that bore the arms of the family over whose vault it stood but now all bare and worn itself gently flowing away into the dust it commemorated it lifted its gablet carved to look like a canopy till its apex was on a level with the book board on the front of the organ loft and over in fact upon this apex appeared the face of the man whom i have mentioned 
it was a very remarkable countenance pale and very thin without any hair except that of thick eyebrows that for overhung keen questioning eyes short bushy hair gray not white covered a well-formed head with a high narrow forehead as i have said these keen eyes kept looking at me from under their gray eyebrows all the time of the sermon intelligently without doubt but whether sympathetically or otherwise i could not determine and indeed i hardly know yet my vestry door opened upon a little group of graves simple and green without headstone or slab poor graves the memory of whose occupants no one had cared to preserve some men must have preceded me here else the poor would not have lain so near the chancel in the vestry door all about and beyond were stones with here and there a monument for mine was a large parish and there were old and rich families in it more of which buried their dead here than assembled their living but close by the vestry door there was this little billowy lake of grass and at the end of the narrow path leading from the door was a churchyard wall with a few steps on each side of it that the parson might pass at once from the churchyard into his own shrubbery here tangled almost matted from luxuriance of growth but i would not creep out the back way from among my people that way might do very well to come in by but to go out i would use the door of the people so i went along the church a fine old place such as i had never hoped to be presented to and went out by the door in the north side into the middle of the churchyard the door on the other side was chiefly used by the few gentry of the neighborhood in the lick gate with its covered way for the main road had once passed on that side was shared between the coffins and the carriages the dead who had no rank but one that of the dead and the living who had more money than their neighbors for let the old gentry disclaim it as they may mere wealth derived from whatever source will sooner reach their level than poor antiquity or the rarest refinement of personal worth although to be sure the oldest of them will sooner give it to the rich their sons or their daughters to wed to love if they can to have children by then they will yield a jot of their ancestral preeminence or acknowledge any equality in their sons or daughters-in-law the carpenter's son is to them an old myth not an everlasting fact to mammon alone will they yield a little of their rank none of it to christ let me glorify god that jesus took not on him the nature of nobles but the seed of adam what could i do without my poor brothers and sisters i passed along the church to the northern door and went out the churchyard lay in bright sunshine all the rain and gloom were gone if one could only bring this glory of sun and grass into one's hope for the future thought i and looking down i saw the little boy who aspired to paint the sky looking up in my face with mingled confidence and awe do you trust me my little man thought i you shall trust me then but i won't be a priest to you i'll be a big brother for the priesthood passes away the brotherhood endures the priesthood passes away swallowed up in the brotherhood it is because men cannot learn simple things cannot believe in the brotherhood they need a priesthood but as dr arnold said of the sunday they do need it and i for one am sure that the priesthood needs the people much more than the people needs the priesthood so i stooped and lifted the child and held him in my arms and the little fellow looked at me one moment longer and then put his arms gently round my neck and so we were friends when i had set him down which i did presently for i shuddered at the idea of the people thinking that i was showing off the clergyman i looked at the boy and his face was great sweetness mingled with great rusticity 
and I could not tell whether he was the child of gentlefolk or of peasants. He did not say a word, but walked away to join his aunt, who was waiting for him at the gate of the churchyard. He kept his head turned toward me, however, as he went, so that, not seeing where he was going, he stumbled over the grave of a child and fell in the hollow on the other side. I ran to pick him up. His aunt reached him at the same moment. Oh, thank you, sir, she said, as I gave him to her, with an earnestness which seemed to me disproportionate to the deed, and carried him away with a deep blush over all her countenance. At the churchyard gate, the old man-of-war's man was waiting to have another look at me. His hat was in his hand, and he gave a pull to the short hair covering his forehead, as if he would gladly take that off, too, to show his respect for the new parson. I held out my hand gratefully. It could not close around the hand, unyielding mass of fingers which met it. He did not know how to shake hands, and left it all to me, but pleasure sparkled in his eyes. "'My old woman would like to shake hands with you, sir,' he said. Beside him stood his old woman, in a portentous bonnet, beneath whose gay yellow ribbons appeared a dusky old face, wrinkled like a ship's timbers, out of which looked a pair of keen black eyes, where the best beauty, that of loving-kindness, had not merely lingered, but triumphed. "'I shall be in to see you soon,' I said, as I shook hands with her. "'I shall find out where you live.' "'Down by the mill,' she said. "'Close by it, sir. "'There's one bed in our garden that always thrives, "'in the hottest summer, by the plash from the mill, sir.' "'Ask for old Rogers, sir,' said the man. "'Everybody knows old Rogers. "'But if your reverence minds what my wife says, "'you won't go wrong. "'When you find the river, takes you to the mill.' And when you find the mill, you find the wheel. And when you find the wheel, you haven't far to look for the cottage, sir. It's a poor place, but you'll be welcome, sir. End of chapter 2 Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida